between the wisdom passed down by ancient healing traditions, anecdotal experience, and modern clinical trials, one thing is clear. Mushrooms are medicinal powerhouses. And I finally found a brand, a product, a company that I feel really aligns with all of my research and understanding when it comes to the medicinal properties of mushrooms, and that is Alchemy Mushrooms. They grow their mushrooms in California on organic mushroom farms. They keep the whole mushroom in their supplements, and they actually blend mycelium and fruit body in their mushroom powders and capsules to give you the best of both worlds. You can learn more at Alchemy Mushrooms. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I, alchemymushrooms.com. Use the discount code MUSHROOMHOUR for 20% off your order. Alchemy with an I, mushrooms.com. Hi there. Welcome to Mushroom Hour. Today on Mushroom Hour, we're joined by the dynamic duo Michelle Russell and Camille Meyer de Gabriel, co-authors of the new cookbook, Just Mushrooms. Ten years ago, Michelle changed everything about her life, lost 80 pounds by adopting a plant-based diet, ridded herself of the need for 12 different prescription medications, cured her depression, and even accepted a new job in Tokyo. On from Tokyo, she moved to Bavaria and spent years traveling European capitals and back roads. And during this period of exploration, Michelle went to culinary school to learn more about the many ways that plants can heal us. And she became convinced that part of her next evolution would be to help make it easier to be healthy. Camille, on the other hand, majored in industrial design at Savannah College of Art and Design, and during that time, she had the opportunity to study abroad in Hong Kong, having firsthand experience with manufacturing practices and seeing the impact of what product design could do to our environment. She refocused her efforts to more sustainable design, studying sustainability and biomimicry, and she allowed those principles to reshape her thinking and eventually also adopted a plant-based diet for ecological and ethical reasons. Their cookbook, Just Mushrooms, will make you a firm believer like I am that fungi are the future of food and they can help us heal our bodies, our minds, and the planet itself. Michelle and Camille, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here today to talk about our favorite thing, mushrooms. <laughs> I know it really is a treat to have two fungophiles here with us that have made such a beautiful, beautiful book. And I'm excited to hear about the growth that happened through that, what that process was like. And to kick us off, you know, in the introduction, I kind of hint at bits and pieces of this really vivid backstory both of you have that kind of inform your perspectives and everything else. So, you know, as best you can, kind of trading off here and there, uh, maybe we can start with you, Michelle. Tell us the story of kind of a little bit of your backgrounds and then how the two of you came together to start working on this project? So my background, is, as you kind of illuminated for people, is, is, is one of illness. And I think a lot of people find themselves not well today. And uh, it really was a journey um, and kind of a 10-year loop for me that brought me to this moment in time where I realized that if I didn't make change, uh, I was going to be miserable for whatever short period of life I had left to live. And so I made dramatic change and found health and healing through plant-based food. But 
as that came to fruition, I started to uh, replace a lot of what I had eaten with mushrooms as a as a viable protein source. And I started to feel even better. And so I started to do research because that's, you know, what I love to do is to learn. And so I started to do a lot of research and and really came to see that everything in my background was informing me that this was the route for my future, that I could stand in that space and help make a change for other people as well. And so having this background as a teacher and an educator, I spent 20 years in the public education system uh, before I took the job in Tokyo. And I love to talk to people and, and hear their story and then help them to make change in their own life. Um, and so that background in education and and the personal connection to having made change and mushrooms being instrumental in that were really what brought me to a moment where I found myself at a farmer's market on the ground um, talking to a guy who would later turn out to be Camille's dad. And No way. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of the loop that brought me to Camille, but her loop is also very different. She was strongly connected to mushrooms already. Yeah, so you kind of touched on my studying industrial design, um, but when I was abroad in Hong Kong, I actually focused on food and food packaging as a sustainable design approach and just seeing the footprint that food waste can can bring us to in packaging. Um, I kind of had a, a lens on food in terms of sustainable practices, but at that point in time, it was through packaging design and a design perspective. Later on in my life, as I transitioned into a plant-based diet, I kind of had that void of missing some of my favorite meals. And early on in that transition, I started exploring with mushrooms as a meat substitute. And that kind of organically led me into researching recipes and just found a void at that time for lack of plant-based mushroom-centric recipes. So as Michelle touched on, my dad and her actually became friends mm -hmm. and Michelle was pursuing um, writing a cookbook. I was already in the throes of researching and trying to put together recipes, but our attributes and our strengths really came together in the most perfect time. So she wanted to pursue writing a cookbook and I was in the process and research. So it was just the perfect marriage. And it, it was such a cute story of her dad bringing us yeah. together because it was Camille's searching on the internet, trying to find a plant-based mushroom cookbook for her dad for Christmas yeah. that led her to decide to do one because nothing came up on Google, nothing. Yeah. So it, it was already in my brain. I was telling her dad when I was chatting with him one day, I said, you know, I think next what I really want to do is a cookbook. And he said, well, my daughter's a designer and, and the rest is history, as yeah. they say. Oh, what a beautiful synchronicity. And it's almost like Camille typing that into Google made the connection with Michelle happen, maybe. You know, there wasn't a cookbook, but it would bring someone in who's going to help create a magnificent cookbook. And also what I'm struck by and just hearing the stories of, obviously, Michelle, you went to Tokyo and Camille, you were abroad in Hong Kong. These are cultures that are much more familiar than the Western world yes. uh, with fungi. Yes. And I think that that ripened us both for 
this appreciation that we were able to bring back with us mm-hmm. and really help to spread because we did see cultures um, and live in them where mushrooms are, are prepared in nearly every meal, where where they've been used for thousands of years as medicine yeah. and, and where they're revered. Uh, and so having that broad cultural experience and I, I went from Tokyo to Bavaria, where foraging is like a full time, you know, people are doing it all yeah. the time. And uh, it, you can just go out into the woods and, and join any group, uh, some of the friendliest people you'll ever meet. So having those kind of travel experience, I, I think, caused this really quick myceliation yeah. by, between Camille and I. We just like, we were on the same page instantly. Yeah, it sounds like it. And just inevitably, those kind of cultures infuse into you and totally change your perspective, open you up to that kind of thing. Well, I guess then just to give us a base level, because I think a lot of people understand mushrooms are healthy, right? There's a lot of hype around it right now, whether we're talking about snack food, whatever we're talking about, mushrooms are coming up in the world, whether medicinal or just delicious, which are also medicinal. Um, But what, what are some of the traits, you know, the big reasons why mushrooms are quote unquote healthy or maybe at least why they're a key part of making a transition to being plant-based because for me i went vegan about seven years ago and i didn't know about mushrooms until a couple years in and obviously i became obsessed yeah but i felt like i was missing something so maybe how how is it such a key part to this kind of future diet of going more plant and fungi based yeah i think there's two components to that or maybe even three so there's, there's the physical health, there's the mental health, and then there's the sustainability piece, right? And I, I think all of those, even though mushrooms are getting a lot of attention right now for their health benefits, and some of the big ones are, of course, you know, adaptogenic properties, which some of the mushrooms have, which allow them to kind of go to work on whatever might be inflamed or off in your body. Um, some of those broad health benefits are, you know, they're cholesterol free and fat free. That's huge for a lot of our population. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's each mushroom um, has its own properties for healing as well. And so, you know, we talk about reishi um, being so helpful for things like depression and anxiety. And we talk about lion's mane being so helpful for things like traumatic brain injury and prevention of chronic um, Alzheimer's and and cognitive decline, those kinds of things with the lion's mane. These are getting a lot of attention, but mushrooms also have a really um, great ability to help us heal the planet and our minds as well, not just our physical bodies. And so um, something that was very important that came with Camille, and I strongly believe too, is is their ability to help really um, change the way that we grow food and lessen the strain on the planet. And I think Camille can share that. Yeah, and just kind of making our connection to food more personal. Um, I know through the pandemic, a lot of people were going through the phases of baking bread, and mm-hmm. it's, it seemed like grow kits were the second wave of of hobbies in the pandemic. And so the New York Times did a really great article about how all these microfiles are coming about because of the ability to grow your own food in your home, which is something that a lot of people did reach during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. So I think just on a, a lighter note, having that connection and seeing that 
kind of life cycle in your home or on your countertop is really magical. So I think, as Michelle said earlier, just that the health in integrating your connection to your food is really important. And mushrooms are a great way to do that. Yeah. When I say health, of course, that can mean a lot of different things. I like how you guys just highlighted that. Probably most importantly, it's healthier for the environment in terms of food production. And then, you know, when we talk about eating mushrooms, obviously we still get the health benefits you're talking about, the medicinal benefits that are, you know, so hyped up right now. You still get those from eating the mushrooms, right? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Not only are we saving water. So as a chef, I, I like to work in all parts of the food cycle. And so I grow mushrooms at home mostly because I just want to have that appreciation when I then turn to cook with them. But, you know, when you consider what it takes to to run animal agriculture and, and, and just how much innate waste we have in that. And, and then you look at, I grew a batch of mushrooms in the dark with little spritzes of water. And in a, in a very short amount of time, had had more food than I could possibly eat. When, when we look at our poor planet and it's struggling to keep up with feeding close to 8 billion of us, we know that we have to do something different. Yes. And the centralization of agriculture that's been the norm with animal agriculture, we have high capital expenses, high overhead. So things get centralized. I mean, it happens with traditional plant agriculture as well. They get centralized to fewer and fewer producers. A lot of waste goes with that. With that centralization, there's a lot of slop, if you will, in engineering terms, or a lot of waste Mm -hmm. that happens with that. So what I'm hearing too is this not only is more sustainable, just in the act of growing them is kind of more sustainable, but the decentralized aspect where everyone's kind of spreading the production of food out maybe puts less environmental weight on select areas where it might be centralized in another kind of agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the cost to to get into growing your own mushrooms is minimal. I mean, you can grow them on straw, on basically cardboard. So just the entry level for novices, amateurs, people wanting to do this in their home is really approachable and economically viable for people to start even their own small business. It's been kind of giving people power back in the way they have their food. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something really big that we can't really overstate because anyone who's had a garden realizes how many plants it's going to take to feed yourself. Where when you grow mushrooms, you actually realize like I could feed myself for a while on just a few yeah. grow kits. On just yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. Exactly. On just mushrooms. Well, and that gets us beautifully into cooking and working with mushrooms because, uh, you know, a lot of the times I'm focused on foraging. You know, I, I'm a forager. That's kind of where my relationship with fungi started. And you quickly realize foraging that kind of preparing and cooking is the next stage. But like me, many of us fall short and really living up to the true potential of what we can do when it comes to cooking with fungi. So if you can give us some basic, maybe techniques that you guys have discovered, just general rules of thumb to working with fungi in the kitchen, you've got your grow kit or you went out and foraged. Then when we get in the kitchen, what can we do with them to get the most out of our fungi? So it's, it's an exciting time to, um, to be working with mushroom because we're just, 
we're understanding that each mushroom comes with its own flavor profile. It comes with its own health benefits. Certain dishes go better with certain mushrooms, but also they're tremendously versatile. And so some of our favorite techniques are what's called a pressing method, where you take like a great big cluster of oysters, which you can find oysters foraging often. You take a great big cluster of oysters and two cast iron skillets. And you literally, after you remove the kind of hard mycelial bottom, you then you're pressing these mushrooms between the two skillets, one on top and one heated up on the bottom. That one on top applies a gentle pressure, which allows the mushroom's own juice to be what cooks it. And it's just a fantastic way to get this really moist, delicious mushroom. And then we love to play with the seasonings and dredge it in some barbecue sauce and make a steak. It's fantastic. Another method that we love is the shredding method. So you take some great big kings and you can shred those down and you have like a virtually identical chicken-like substance. And so then I just encourage people to start thinking anything you could do with chicken, you can do with the shredded mushroom. So that's tacos, that's enchiladas, that's chicken pot pie. It's, it's really virtually endless. And that's what I love about what Camille and I have tried to do is just give people kind of a creative jump start, but don't be confined to that. Like anything that you could have done with chicken, you can do with this mushroom, cutting them and dehydrating them, making them into powders opens whole new doors of exploration. Like if I have mushroom powders, I can make desserts. I can, I can then transform ordinary dishes into all kinds of magic. And so it's really um, the, the many different ways that mushrooms can be processed and prepared is, is endlessly fascinating. And I love you just highlighted some methods that then let you play with this in any other recipe. When I discovered that idea of powderizing mushrooms, you can add it to salt. Yeah, you can put it in recipe. I mean, it just opens up this whole new universe of mushrooms as a spice that you can throw yes, into things, yes. which I think is so amazing. Now, one thing that I think a lot of people know, but some people listening may not, is the blanket advice out there to always cook your mushrooms. Now, can yeah. you guys talk about that a little bit, maybe Camille? Absolutely. So we will always advocate to cook your mushrooms. It's generally a safe rule of thumb that you should thoroughly cook your mushrooms. This is because a lot of um, mushrooms have what's called um, chitin in their cell cellular walls. So it's really difficult to digest. And a lot of them can also have toxins. Normally that cooks off, but cooking denatures toxins and makes the mushrooms health benefits actually more bioavailable and you're going to get a more delicious product. I don't, I mean, I typically wouldn't advocate eating uh, mushrooms raw just because it's not delicious, but it's also not that good for you. So in general, it's just safe. Yeah. Safer to cook all your mushrooms. Something else you can do, which is really fun, is 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 take the mushrooms and put them outside for a little mm -hmm. bit before you cook them, and they will absorb the vitamin D. And you can increase the vitamin D in your mushrooms by up to thirty percent by taking them outside. I mean, when we can increase the nutrient content of our food by something as simple as putting it in the sun, that is the signal that we probably need more of that food in our life, definitely. And then along these lines, you know, obviously mushrooms have fiber. Um, like you said, they've got chitin in their skin. So we want to cook that out. But is there such thing as too many mushrooms? Because 
that's something I've been asked many times. People have told me, oh, you know, I went foraging, I ate mushrooms four out of the next five days and I had stomach upset. I mean, is there any, is there such thing as eating too many mushrooms? Because if there are people in the world that are going to know, it's probably you. Yeah, we, we definitely have um, eaten our fair share. Michelle and I personally can probably say that we have not never overdone eating mushrooms, but it's generally, you know, introduce anything to your diet slowly, do it slow and low doses, and then work your way up to kind of eating it as a main portion, but just exploring what you're comfortable with. You know, certain mushrooms might interact with you differently. Like I said, I've never had a personal experience with overdoing mushrooms, but generally it's nicer to just introduce it um, in small quantities. And I, I tried to do some quick calculations to see if I could answer this question. And I think roughly 50% of my diet is probably mushrooms. Um, oh for lunch today, I had a mushroom risotto. I had salad with mushrooms. And then I had a mushroom cookie for dessert. So I, I, I that's pretty normal for me. And I suffered no ill effects from that. In fact, probably increased cognition. However... I did forage some artist conch, which I read was a cousin to the reishi. And so I cleaned that and I, I made a tea. And the very first couple of times I had that, I definitely had some stomach upset, but in a really good way. It was a very, you know, kind of powerful detox. So mm -hmm. I think what Camille said initially is just that if it's your first time to try a, a new kind of mushroom, perhaps eat a little bit. Yeah engage your stomach's response and, and build up as you feel appropriate for yourself because everyone has a different amount of digestive enzyme and different microbiome makeup. So, you know, what's easy for me to digest is not necessarily the same for someone else. And circling back to the beginning of the conversation where you discussed kind of our impact of having lived abroad, Cultures that have been eating mushrooms longer have microbiomes that are developed specifically to digest these mushrooms. And so if, if it's something relatively new for an individual, I would say just go slow and build up. I personally don't think I've ever hit a maximum because uh, I'm crazy about them and can't stop. <laughs> Your tolerance is already through the roof, if you will. And <laughs> That's something I, I think you guys said beautifully. And I know it happens, like you said, we're appreciating now how different each mushroom is. Even though we see delicious recipes in the book, I always caution everyone, you know, take your time with every mushroom, just try a little piece, gauge your reaction before you get into that delicious risotto. Because there are mushrooms that we think of as should always be okay, like porcini, morels. I know people that have specific allergies just to those mushrooms. Exactly. You can never be too safe with trying it, even though it's hard to like not make the amazing recipe that you see. And talking about that a little bit, Michelle, you, you said you eat mushrooms all the time. Anecdotally, obviously, you're not a doctor, you're not giving anyone health advice. <laughs> what has that done for you to have that kind of diet to eat mushrooms that much? Like, and I know you've gone through a life change with kind of adapting to a plant based diet, you talk about the pharmaceuticals and the depression. But specifically, when you really started consuming more mushrooms, more fungi, what kind of changes did you notice for yourself? So some very specific things specific to a couple of mushrooms. So I, um, I started drinking chaga tea daily and I noticed that the melanin increased in my skin. I no longer need sunscreen. 
and adaptogenically, you know, I used to have quite a bit of heartburn and that just went away completely. Uh, and I read that chaga is very good at closing little holes in the esophagus. So that's a huge benefit. And um, I definitely have felt that. Lion's mane is probably my favorite and, and I credit it with you know, really increased cognition for myself. I suffer from a traumatic brain injury that affects my balance. And at one point in time, it affected my verbalization. And so um, I don't go a single day without lion's mane. And uh, that has really helped me. The other day I dropped something and I actually caught it. Uh, I've not been able to do that in years. Um, I can recall things that I have forgotten. Um, and my verbal acuity is off the charts, and I, I credit Lion's Mane with that. Um, my skin has really cleared up, and I would say that's the consumption of shiitake. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, these these are some things I definitely noticed. Um, additionally, my energy is through the roof, and I, I would attribute that to the cordyceps. So it, all of these mushrooms that I take daily, I, I've definitely become probably 50% mushroom now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But the health benefits have just, they've done so much for me. I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. And touching on the, the skin portion, at one point I was um, prescribed, you know, Accutane for cystic acne. And I've been able to naturally heal my acne using 1500 milligrams of shiitake capsules at night. And I've recommended it to to friends and family, and they're seeing the same benefits. So the fact that I was able to kind of heal my own body using just, you know, a mushroom, as something as benign as just an organic powder at night, is just it's really helped transform the way I think about um, mushrooms as medicine. Absolutely. I mean, there's no power, more powerful experience. And that's why I wanted to get that out there. I had a feeling you guys had some anecdotes of how these really change things for you. And I like to get that out in the open because I think so many times, you know, our kind of reductionist, really skeptical, which might be good, really skeptical kind of sense of what is medicine. And we've kind of got this pharmaceutical model now, and people are always very skeptical of natural medicines. So I like to throw out there that you can't dismiss anecdotal evidence. So stories like that to me are some of the most potent testimonies as to what people can experience by adding and integrating mushrooms in their life. And I think you both pointed out an element that is so important. When I've talked with people that are medicinal mushroom experts or herbalists, it's consistency. Yes. Almost anything in life. But especially when you're going to see the benefits of fungi, you need to eat them or take them in capsule. You need to do it daily with consistency to really see those changes, it sounds like. Yes. It it was quick for for me with the shiitake. I think it only took about two months, but that is being really consistent. Um, And again, shiitake being adaptogen, I'm sure I'm receiving a multitude of other benefits that I don't know. But that is the most exciting one for me since um, that was a struggle previously. And the lion's mane, I've been doing that for uh, two years straight mm-hmm. um, to to really be feeling that benefit. So I, I think you're right. You know, consistency has been key with that and just continued awareness that it provides this amazing benefit for me. But I have to consume it and I have to be, you know, almost religious about doing that if I want to continue the benefit. Yeah. And that's actually why I love so much learning how to better work with them as food, because I think it's way more accessible to achieve that consistency 
if we're just eating it and it's delicious. You know, I know everyone has fallen off with supplement regimens and all that. So I love this idea of just eating it, getting it in your diet. That's the best way to to achieve that consistency. Medicine in your home. Something that's helped me do that, Mm -hmm. I think is really just, you know, the old kind of paradigm where you built a meal around your meat. I now build meals around mushrooms. I, I, I look at what my farmer has available and what he'll give me a good deal on. And then I choose, you know, okay, I'm getting lion's mane today and we're going to do sushi or I'm, I'm getting shiitake today and we're going to do a risotto. You know, I, I have gone to that old paradigm and just said, let me build around my mushroom. Well, so talking about, um, a meat to mushroom paradigm shift. I think that's a really powerful perspective that I hadn't heard in those exact words before. And I love that idea. And are there overarching themes like that in the cookbook itself? You know, just mushrooms, obviously it's a collection of recipes with beautiful photography, but what are some of those overarching themes that you wanted to build that kind of bind just mushrooms all together? Sure. So Michelle touched on this, but just looking at mushrooms as the main kind of source of protein and focusing on mushrooms and building the, the recipes around that. Michelle was super creative in, in creating those. And then being an educational kind of resource for people to get into mushrooms. You know, for the most part, people go through their lives only having had portobellos or button mushrooms, you know, the same same thing essentially. But giving people kind of a guidebook into the potential for mushrooms as a protein source and ways to introduce them into their kitchen in really fun, approachable ways. I think education is a big theme for Mm -hmm. us uh, because we do feel that, you know, at the heart of everything, education is key, that people understand why. And when they understand the why, it's easier for them to also facilitate change. And so education is a big key for us. And I think kind of one of the themes we developed as we went was the Japanese idea of wabi-sabi. It doesn't need to be perfect, but you need to eat the mushroom. You know, if if your sushi roll falls apart, put it in a bowl and call it a sushi bowl, but you need to eat the mushroom. And so, you know, that was part of our theme building was just, we didn't want to strive for something that was so artificially beautiful and impossible to achieve instead we wanted to be your friend like like open this book and and it's a friendly discussion about everything you would need to know to to take a deeper dive into mushrooms to 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 really give you enough education to hopefully spark your curiosity to give you enough recipe to hopefully jump in yourself and go let me see what else i can do and and so Education, I think, is our overarching theme with this idea that I always thought there'd be a cute podcast somewhere called There's a Mushroom for That. Because there really is. I mean, there's literally a mushroom for everything. And so um, that's part of what we just wanted to illuminate. One of the really fun things we did together was Camille had a fairy ring growing in her yard. So we picked that and dehydrated it and then decided to make a recipe out of it. And so I created um, fairy rings, which were like a donut, and they were a pumpkin kind of pastry. And um, we had so much fun doing that. But when we went to research, you know, the health benefits of fairy rings so that we could put that in the book, that's an area that was harder to find information. And so we just kind of discovered in the process of theming the book and, and working with it that education, there's still a lot to be done. 
And um, that we just wanted to stand in this space and say, we don't know everything, but we love to learn and we want to help. And I think authenticity is needed in everything, but especially this emerging popularization of mushrooms and fungi. I think it's really important for people not to always act like the guru or the, you know, it's be authentic, share what you know, and it's likely going to teach a lot of people something instead of trying to teach or pretend to everyone that you know everything. So I I really appreciate that authenticity. And I think, you know, there were some proper parts in there about mycology. I mean, mushroom biology, life cycle, you guys gave a great primer on mushrooms in general. And then yeah, dove in and gave techniques. And I said that earlier, you know, what are some rules of thumb? And I think you guys did a great job doing that as well, showing techniques people can use. So like, hey, here is one great idea for a recipe. Here are the techniques that were used. And now, you know, you can go build something, which, which I really appreciate. Well, tell us about the format of the book, kind of how it was organized and why you chose to do it that way. Absolutely. So um, this is more than just a cookbook, as we've kind of touched on. There's, it's a really personal uh, passion mm-hmm. project. Um, that Michelle and I wanted to share with people. So with that comes like some anecdotal stories in the forward. And then, you know, we talk about mushrooms kind of giving that educational perspective and, you know, the anatomy of a mushroom, what they can do for our planet versus meat production. And then Michelle writes about how to use this book, methods, technologies. And then we kind of dive into the recipes. So in those sections, um, we have a breakfast section and our entree section is definitely the most robust. We were pretty enthused about creating entree recipes and then some sides and snacks um, followed by desserts and then wellness. That was a really great section to integrate that there's some stories about the, the turkey tail tea in the forward that you guys can read about. But And then lastly, the, in the appendix. And that's where we talk about the health benefits and um, kind of Michelle and I's backgrounds and a huge acknowledgement section because we really did have a lot of support through um, this pandemic with friends and family, recipe testing, you know, our photographer, Jeff, just working with us in my kitchen. So that's kind of the lay of the land of the the cookbook. Uh, You've got some surprising sections in there because, you know, we've seen many a mushroom cookbook and snacks and desserts usually don't feature that heavily. So it was great to get some new ideas on how to integrate them into more than just, yeah, a mushroom risotto or, you know, a chanterelle cream sauce or something like that. Maybe if you can, you know, I know it's hard. It's like picking between children kind of, but in terms of recipes from each of those sections, maybe we can highlight one that you guys really loved, or maybe we're really surprised by, by how good it tasted. Or maybe it just has a funny story about how it came together. Kind of like fairy ring donuts. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can kick that off with with uh, the breakfast section, which again is a meal that not everyone immediately thinks mushroom. Yeah, so I started to talk about the fairy ring donut and just to kind of illustrate how the book works is I wanted to present not just a recipe, but a lot of people don't know that in Bavaria, where I came from before I was back in the US, um, fairy rings, when they appear, um, it's long been believed that that night, little fairies must have danced there in that circle. And that's why the mushrooms appeared. And there are a lot of places in the Nordic countries where there are little houses built for the fairies. And and there is a kind of a mythology around these fairies. And so I give that background and then the wonderful 
kind of aspect of Camille and I, you know, harvesting these from her yard and then turning them into a into a breakfast food. And really, I was so inspired that I went home and I put headphones on like you have on. And I made a disaster in my kitchen and first try. Usually, I it takes me three or four tries to knock a recipe out of the park. And this one was first try and just amazing. The nutmeg that interacts with the the fairy ring it just gives it this wonderful spice it's very nutty it's so earthy and then i i put a maple glaze on it so you know you you always win with a maple glaze can't go wrong (laughs) and i'll let camille pick her favorite entree yeah so my family's mexican as i kind of touched on and there's one recipe that i really missed it would be my dying meal as i say my mom's chicken tinga tostadas and there was no great meat substitute for chicken until Michelle discovered the shredding of the oysters. And that really lent itself to like the same shredded chicken texture. So I loved having my mom's uh, recipe kind of integrate its way into the cookbook because I don't, I don't miss not having that anymore. Now I have um, my favorite recipe plus the, the health benefits. And it really does kind of satiate that that craving the savory spicy crunchy is just to die for well it's beautiful to know we're getting like family traditional secret recipes maybe yes yes yeah then we also had for the sides and snacks um we had um some mexican ceviche so going to you know not eating anything raw we used a comb's tooth for that kind of seafood taste and that really nice texture but kind of cooked it again with with lime after grilling it. So that was a fun little, you know, you don't see very often side dish. Yeah. But my favorite recipe would probably be my husband and I's collaboration on a shiitake popcorn seasoning. Again, shiitake, I have a soft spot just because it's helped me heal so much, but it's just the most delightful, like umami, savory popcorn and of course it's got tons of nutritional yeast and garlic powder in there so that is something we probably have bi-weekly i would um be cautious to say we were having it every week at one point but it's it's super indulgent and michelle was so wonderful in creating all these really amazing creative desserts Oh, but my most favorite one is not yet in here. I talked to my mushroom farmer and I was like, I really want you to grow reishi for me. And he did. And so now that I have a steady supply of reishi, I'm making uh, a reishi bar that has uh, some wonderful um, almonds and walnuts, reishi mushroom, dark cherry, espresso, dates. It's just this very, and cacao nibs. It's this very decadent, like inner bar that I just love. And playing with these desserts has been so much fun for me because you can get really great response. The the lion's mane sugar cookie recipe from the book, I have not met a child that I couldn't get to eat that. (laughs) And that's a big thing that people ask me is, you know, how do I get my kids to eat more mushrooms? And I think kind of like we talked about earlier, just in general, start slow and then hide them. Yeah, well, powders <laughs> and desserts are a sure way to get your kids yeah. to, eat, to eat mushrooms. That's a good rule of thumb. Get your kids to eat mushrooms, just hide them in there. But I did appreciate 
dessert section did have that. Now, obviously, candy cap is kind of the dessert mushroom everyone thinks of. So I love that you guys introduced some other mushrooms and just showed how easy it was to incorporate them into desserts. And I will add about the shiitake seasoning. My wife kind of freaked out about that because we love popcorn. We used to grow shiitakes on grow kits in the backyard. And we have so many dried shiitakes. Ah! She was like, this is something we can do with all of our dried shiitakes. Oh, I'm uh, so, so excited to hear that. You'll have to let me know how it comes out for you guys. Um, it's got a wonderful spicy undertone too and with some of the you know Ethiopian spices in there. Oh, it sounds amazing. I'm sure I'm going to be chomping on more than my fair share of that. Well then, you know what kind of impact has this had on you guys in writing a book? Because we talked a little bit before the show, and what an undertaking it is to like write a book and get the photography and decide how to lay it out that we've just talked about. How did that contribute to your guys' own evolution? Uh, and maybe we can we can start with whoever. Maybe we'd start with you, Camille, on how this changed your viewpoint on mushrooms and really informed your own relationship with fungi that much more deeply. Absolutely. So um, going back to like the undertaking of the book. I mean, that timeline for us was, we set our own timeline to get this out for the holidays, just because we were creating this in a pandemic. We wanted people to have a reason to get together, cook in their own homes, you know, that a lot of people weren't able to travel. So this was in essence, a passion project that we wanted to share with people, get them cooking and give them kind of a way to explore with something new and exciting. So that was a difficult undertaking mm-hmm. in terms of the timeline mm-hmm. for us. But in terms of the way that it's evolved for my relationship with fungi, it's given me a greater sense of hope in general. You know, there's a lot of science that's coming out, you know, whether that's for the the health benefits of mushrooms for either our body or our mind and now the planet. I mean, there's just, it's constantly evolving. And I feel like it's evolving in dog years, you know, we're just, just, it's compounding so quickly. So I'm very hopeful that some of the issues that we're facing today, as a society, and biologically, we're going to be able to, to be able to remediate and help ourselves using fungi. Yeah, I think we can always, always use more hope. Definitely. I think it mushrooms tend to inspire that in people as well. And then Michelle, for you, I know you already had this background in going plant-based, you're 50% mushroom already, but how did writing the book change you that much more? How did that experience change you? It really changed me in a lot of ways. Thank you for the question, because I had to think about it and how have I changed? And so um, I used to be a person that just created things and didn't write them down. Writing a cookbook with Camille really helped me learn to write all of my fantastic offerings down uh, because I I just normally didn't do that. I would just create in a flurry and um, we would never have the same thing again because I had no idea what I had done. <laughs> and so I, I, I have gotten in the practice of really being very careful to write down uh, what I do and then, you know, calculate my notes and make changes when I make them so that I'm continually running recipes um, while I'm creating. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is is to create new recipes, but doing the cookbook really helped me to crystallize the process. And then I also started to grow my own mushrooms because I really felt like once I had finished the cookbook, I needed to understand the other side. I needed to see like 
their life cycle and, and to nurture them myself so that I deserve to be nurtured by them, if that makes sense. Like I wanted to nurture them from spore to, to fruit so that I could then be nurtured by them. And then I think the other way that it really helped me to change was I became completely fascinated with the soil. And uh, they say that eventually this happens to most chefs, that as we realize where our food is coming from, we become soil advocates. And I thought, oh, that's not going to happen to me. I don't want to live on a farm. Well, guess what? I want to live on a farm. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I really want to now take the next steps with mushrooms and and help them to micro remediate the soil and help to restore the soil health. And so I have, you know, partnered with a, a local mushroom farmer and He's bringing me spent myceliated blocks and cow manure, and I'm mixing those, and I'm I'm learning at this rate that is phenomenal because I'm so impassioned. After having done this project with Camille for the cookbook, I just I can't stop, and and the things that I'm learning now I think will facilitate the growth and of more mushrooms and the hope that my sweet Camille is feeling. I I want to foster that. I mean, what a beautiful illustrative story on that power of something affecting you as food. And this is often the way that people are introduced to mushrooms or fungi as food and how that then is channeled into such a positive outpouring and really mission. I mean, I had that feeling that for you guys, it kind of started your own mycology mission and it very much sounds like it's done that. Uh, And so, uh, yes, thank you for sharing that. I love hearing that story. And then how about Camille's dad? I mean, he's been central in connecting and bringing this project together. Is he just like a total mica knot now or how has he been impacted by this cookbook? Yeah, no, he he's kind of gone um, full mycophile. You know, he's built his own little lab where he's doing experiments with um, mycelium and we're all just kind of brewing our own experiments at this point. For instance, we, my dad and I, and my husband are big foragers and my dad found this one cluster of oyster mushrooms that will fruit four or five times during the winter. It's just the most hardy cluster. And so he has been able to send that off and it's now um, commercially available because we were able to make a culture of it. So just little experiments like that. I mean, he's just seeing the potential in everything and I'm getting to gleam from his expertise and knowledge, which is super fun. It's it's definitely called taking our family by storm. We call him Michael Meyer now. So, <laughs> and he loops me in uh, as a true friend would. He he'll send me a text message and say, "Hey, they have this piece of equipment over at such and such a place," and you know, it's um, it's a it's a great thing to have a have a Michael family. Oh, the mushroom family is the best family. And I know that a lot of people listening, including myself, are finding themselves in so many different aspects of this story of how that love of mushrooms just kind of laces out and changes your life. Yeah. You'll never look at, you know, a university clearing out old science equipment or a farm getting rid of old equipment the same way again. So true. So true. They have one of those hoods over at the museum. Go get it. <laughs> it's it's happened to many of us. And I was, of course, going to ask if you guys were avid foragers, because like I said, that's where my love of mushrooms began. And it sounds like that is the case. And you'll have to remind us where are you guys located and what is it like foraging where you are? Camille's got this one. Sure. So 
we're in Boise, Idaho, and right now it is morel season. And I'm oh seeing morels in my dreams when I close my <laughs> eyes. I am totally programmed right now for the season. So like I kind of said before, my family and I, it's one of the things that we really enjoy doing together. My husband and I recently got about, it, I mean, it's a small haul in comparison to most, but um, like 11 pounds of morels. And, and That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. For, for Idaho. So. I, I was gifted some for my birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. You're lucky. Best birthday gift ever. I dry morel. So it's just, it's magical though, because, you know, we're going out, having this relationship with nature and queuing in on these mushrooms. And we were able to find goldens, grays, burns. So a huge variety and then dehydrating those and kind of drawing them separately. So we know their flavor profiles. It's just been, it's a wonderful act that we really enjoy. And again, with my, my dad's lab, taking spore prints and trying to see how we can cultivate those for ourselves when it's not prime forage season. That has been a fun project as well. I mean, that's amazing. You guys get to experience all phases. You get to forage the mushrooms, which is that adrenaline rush, the dopamine hit of finding stuff that's so programmed into us. And then you're able to bring it back and you guys can cook obviously delicious food in more ways than you can imagine. You're maybe able to culture that out, give Michael Meyer a Petri dish and he'll start <laughs> going nuts with it. I mean, that's really, really cool. And I think inspiring for so many of us that share that passion to see, you know, how you can just make this so ingrained in your life. You know, I guess then what has the reception been from that greater mushroom or mycology community? Because I saw you guys had a big shout out from Juliana Ferci, who anyone listening to the show, if you don't know her already, you need to go study all of her work, follow all of her pages, follow Fungi Foundation, because she's amazing. But I saw her talk about your guys' cookbook, yeah. which must have been like jaw dropping. Yeah. She's so awesome. But what has that reception been from kind of the greater mycophile community? Absolutely. So again, we're really lucky. Um, Juliana Ferci actually wrote the testimonial on the back of our book. And we're so lucky to have a relationship with her and, you know, she's been instrumental in giving us a voice in that community since we are kind of newcomers, but it's just been so welcoming. Everyone in this community makes space for everyone. I wouldn't say we're necessarily novices, but we're coming from the cooking perspective and everyone in, from the scientific field has been super welcoming, giving feedback, but it's been wonderful. We've had some people that have even converted to being plant-based after having found our cookbook. So just knowing that we're making those personal changes for people has been wonderful. Did I mention um, for the Fungi Magazine review that we had? No, and I want to hear all about it. We've had Britt on the show, and I'm in, I love Fungi Magazine. Yeah, so we actually, um, Britt wrote the, the review himself, and it was a really raving review about um, just mushrooms and we were lucky enough to be featured in their um, spring fungi magazine issue, which I think will be perfect timing with foraging and hopefully give people an introduction into our cookbook. And I think you just brought up a point that I, I just love about this community, maybe because it's mimicking that biomimicry, mimicking the organism we all love. It just kind of is so inclusive. And if you're contributing and you're authentic and you're really, there is no like novice and master, it's just everyone contributing. And I love to hear that you've been kind of just received into the greater mycelium. Yes. Uh, 
like what happened to me putting out a show as a total novice and you're just received into this community. Suddenly you're part of it, contributing, being part of the greater mycelial mass. So that's that's beautiful to hear about. And I definitely want to check out the the Fungi Magazine Spring Edition then. Well, you know, as we've talked about the cookbook, we've kind of tried to cover everything, but is there anything we've forgotten to mention? Maybe just an anecdote or story you want to share about writing it that we need to know about? Anything like that? You know, going back to kind of the, the wellness section in the cookbook, mm-hmm. one one story. Oh, story. Yeah, one story that comes to mind that really kind of fueled my passion for mushrooms, just seeing it firsthand, was my mom in, I think, 2018 was she was donating blood and basically was um, alarmed that she had West Nile. So she started to come down with all this malaise and wasn't feeling herself. And she attributed it to just getting older, but turns out it was actually the West Nile. And to catch in my dad's suggestion of integrating turkey tail into her regimen, she now is completely free of any headaches or body aches that come with West Nile. And that's something that you have to live with. It just doesn't get better. So the fact that she was able to completely heal herself and not have any symptoms from just a simple turkey tail mushroom tea is just wonderful. Yeah. Such a powerful story um, to know that turkey tail, you know, you can hear Paul Stamets talk about what that did for his mom during her cancer treatments. And, you know, just to know that these powerful medicines exist is is I think what continues to inspire us and and continues to drive us towards a a future that is mushroom centric. (laughs) Absolutely. And like I said, I know people can often be skeptical or talk about, hey, don't exaggerate what these mushrooms can do. But honestly, I don't like invalidating people's lived experience. And you know, we've already said the caveat, everyone's different. We're not giving personalized health advice. But when you hear stories like that, it's a powerful indicator of a direction to move or something to explore, seeing if it can do the same, you know, in a situation that you might be facing. I, I really like to highlight those kind of anecdotes from real people so we can kind of lend more weight where sometimes, and actually for mushrooms, this is less and less the case, but sometimes the clinical data isn't quite there yet anecdotes are some of the best evidence we have of what something could do for you. Yeah. And, and kind of taking some knowledge from my father, who is a retired uh, pathologist, you know, he says that all research starts with anecdotal stories. You know, someone gets better using this and that is the catalyst to greater scientific research. And we're, I mean, the research is starting to really gain momentum. There's a lot of companies that are now investing in um, medicinal mushrooms their clinical trials. So I'm just excited to see that become the new, new normal. Yes, we are very excited. We, we're very excited to be welcomed into this larger mushroom community. We're very excited to um, see what's coming next for us. We're, we're thinking about trying to go to Telluride and, and take some cookbooks and, and meet some more mycophiles. And um, I think more than anything, what this cookbook did and something we haven't really said is that, you know, it started me getting up at 5 a.m. so that I would have time to write. And I haven't gone back away from that. I still get up at 5 a.m. I'm still more productive than I've ever been. And I think just created a good habit of mind. And then the mushrooms themselves gave me the strength of mind to continue. So it's just, it's been an incredible journey. 
yeah, an impactful change. And you never learn more than when you try to write a book about something. <laughs> and it sounds like it definitely made that change. And I can certainly envision you guys at Telluride or whatever mushroom festival you go to, like a big outdoor demo cooktop yeah. and showing people how to cook with mushrooms. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I was going to ask, you know, what your future plans were. And I always hesitate when someone just put out a book, like what's next, but you know, what, what is coming in the future? And we just talked about Telluride and, you know, experiments and foraging, but are, is there anything on the horizon now that you guys have had this really successful uh, co-creation? Sure. I think we're always going to be trying to create more recipes and share those with people. Um, Michelle and I recently thought of, you know, with the theme of the book being educational, we thought maybe creating some educational videos and showing, taking people into our kitchen and Mm -hmm. kind of showing them the hands-on methods, what mushrooms look like, how to buy them, um, how to store them, just kind of the, the kickstart that some people might need especially a lot of visual learners out there. Um, So kind of trying to reach accessibility through a lot of different platforms. So that's on the horizon for us. Yeah, our plan is to launch a YouTube channel and and, uh, try to step into some practical cooking advice and, you know, just continually make new fun things. I just made a Lion's Mane Rice Krispie Treat. And so I'm excited to share that and, you know, just... Uh, I, I want to kind of startle people out of their complacency and out of this this archaic idea that mushrooms go in butter. You know, just like uh, right. try something different. And so, on the horizon for us is definitely um, some videos and and hopefully finding a, a place for us within the larger community where two women who care about the same thing can speak to people who want an authentic, you know, this is what we've done. This is, this is helpful for us. And, you know, share that on a larger scale. I think all we want to do is help. Yeah. So in whatever avenue that might take, uh, we're on that path. Like, <laughs> not to sound crazy about mushrooms, but I'm like, we just need to convert more people yes. to, to <laughs> mycophiles. Yes. I think that's always the mission. I, I think we can't have enough people spreading that message. It's a conversation I have with a lot of people that, you know, this organism is like an understudied entire kingdom that's going to change mm-hmm. everything about, you know, not only technology and health, but also just narratives and how our epistemologies and how we grasp the world around us. So there can't be enough voices spreading this. To, so every human has this familiarity that right now is kind of this realm of, mycophiles or mushroom nerds. It's like, man, every human on the planet should be equipped with this knowledge. And I think that instinct you guys have is beautiful and should definitely be pursued to convert more people. I was hoping we were going to hear the podcast. There's a mushroom for that, but maybe down the line. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe down the line. Maybe but I definitely, in, in terms of, um, you know, getting everyone on board with mushrooms, we both just hope that people recognize them as a kingdom and they gain this greater respect, like the Fungi Foundation um, and looking at protecting them. So just kind of creating awareness. Um, I think in essence, Michelle and I are just willing to to get people involved and really kind of kickstart their own learning and inspire them. And the best thing is it feels really good to do that too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my very favorite thing is just to feed people something without telling them what's in it and then, you know, let them try it and love it and then go, you just ate 12 mushrooms, you know, like, and by the way, it's plant-based. 
this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are all about shattering paradigms and yes. what we perceive. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Well, where can people find you guys? Where can people find the book uh, and connect with you and your work? Sure. So we kind of mentioned that this is a passion project. So we, we self-published and to do that, we used Amazon. So that was the, the platform that you can buy our book on. And here in Idaho, there's a, a couple of stores you can find us, but definitely fo- follow us on Instagram because we're always posting where we're, what we're doing, what we're up to. And then our website, just hyphen mushrooms.com. We have a great fact page on there that a lot of people commonly question or commonly asked questions are answered on there, you know, in terms of mushroom substitutes and how to pick a good mushroom, how to store them. You know, the things like if you buy the book and then you want to go and cook something, uh, if you're starting from ground zero, the FAQs will help you figure out, you know, like, well, okay, I need to put it on the highest shelf in my refrigerator in a little brown paper sack and that way it's going to last. And so the website's very useful that way, I think. I love that. I love everything practical. And I, yeah, I love that you guys give those really basics that just make it accessible to more and more people. And even veterans like myself might be too scared to ask some of those questions. So it's really yeah. nice to have it all laid out as as simple and as approachable as possible. Well, I guess I'll round things out with the questions that I'd like to ask all of my guests. And I'm sure like you've had this whole interview, you guys will have some thoughtful, great answers for us. You know, for both of you, what is a mushroom you love and why? A mushroom or fungi, it can be edible or not. It does not have to be a favorite. Maybe it's just one you thought of right in this second, but a mushroom you love and why? I'm right now in my morel uh, obsession. So, of course. You know, you, we always forget, I, at least personally, I always forget how freaking delicious morels are and just how intoxicating foraging for them is. I mean, I just get in this daze. And it's the, like you said, this um, endorphin dump, and it's just a beautiful mushroom to be in love with right now. So that's a, a seasonal favorite for me. And then a long time favorite would definitely be just shiitake. Just, you know, it's so versatile and uh, deep in flavor. And then the healing properties that I've benefited from just, I have like this personal relationship with shiitake now. Um, I feel very thankful to have discovered it. Shiitake is like an old friend for you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, for me, the the lion's mane, hands down, is the mushroom that it looks like a brain. And I really credit it with having helped me um, advance beyond a place where I was still struggling with this head injury to a place where, unless I tell you, it wouldn't be noticeable that I've had these traumatic injuries to my brain. And I... I know that the lion's mane supports that continued regeneration. And I know that at 52 years old, that these things are also providing me incredible longevity. While I'm consuming so much mushroom, I know that even the telomeres are getting longer and that I'm going to have longer to spread this message. I can feel the healing when I eat lion's mane mushroom and I eat it daily. It looks like a brain for a reason. Um, it, it is part of uh, it is part of me now, and I and I am so grateful to have discovered it. But it is my my go to because I I think that without it, I I wouldn't have been able to do this book, and I wouldn't have been able to actualize on the things that I wanted to do because of this injury I had sustained. 
I think that's one of the mushrooms so many people get excited about hearing about those effects you've just elucidated and to know that for you it actually had that impact is that's really really powerful and it's part of the reason why it, when it comes to mushrooms I cultivate at home hands down always lion's mane what limited space I have to grow we live in a small cottage it's always lion's mane uh, for many of the reasons you just talked about yes well, and then a big, broad question. Uh, you can go any direction you like with this, but what has a relationship with fungi given to you? And we've nibbled around the edges. You know, this can be things they've taught you, perspectives that's offered. But what has that relationship you developed with fungi given to you? Okay. Yeah. Childlike curiosity. Yeah, I, I, I have really been restored this like childlike curiosity and absolute fascination. Um, the very first time I grew mushrooms at home and they pinned, I bawled. I cried and I sung all the way to work. It's going to be a great, great sunshine. I can't sing. And I, I was elated. I was out of my mind that I had succeeded in producing life. It was like I gave birth and it was so exciting. I just, I felt so just blessed to be able to like experience their growth and to see that. And they have just, They've created for me this real childlike fascination with, with healing the soil. And I tried to explain to my partner, they've also given me a real kookiness. I, I've gotten kooky. Uh, and, and I wear, you know, sometimes a mushroom hat and I'm always talking about mushrooms and sometimes I answer, pe answer people's questions. Oh, the mushroom told me, don't say that out loud too often is what I've learned. But, um, I was telling my partner the other day, he's like, well, how did you know to move that plant over there? And I was like, well, it's intuitive farming. The mushroom taught me. And he was like, uh, what? <laughs> but really, it has given me this greater relationship with myself, if that makes sense. Like, I trust my intuition in a way that I did not previously. I feel so much more at home in nature and in touch with everything than I ever did previously. And so it's really given me a greater relationship to the mindful present moment of my life to the point where I could cry over mushrooms growing or I could sit happily and, and be in the sunshine in nature with my plants and, and know that there's, you know, there's mycelium under the ground. I, I, feel part of a larger community in a, in a whole different way. Tapped you into the universe in a whole nother level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of said this, we nibbled around the edges on this, but in terms of the relationship with fungi, it's renewed sense of hope. Just going back to that point of, you know, looking to the future, it is going to be a sustainable future. If we, advocate for mushrooms, if we share our knowledge, if we get more people enjoying them, foraging. Um, recently, I've, you know, kind of protective over our, my foraging spots, but I've been taking friends and just the more people we can get into nature and experiencing mushrooms firsthand, the more they're going to advocate for their use and legislation kind of comes with that. So I'm just hoping that this is a soft introduction like you said, it, it's a personal plate that we're serving everyone through our cookbook and just giving them kind of a relationship of their own is 
the catalyst of change that we need. And I think inevitably when you introduce people to mushrooms, they then do that work. I mean, that the relationship that person develops becomes the reprogramming they need to tap in more deeply with nature or change their relationship with their own health. I've just seen it happen so many times where you just introduce people to this organism and let the more than human organism fungi take over mm-hmm. and do what it does. Yeah. My, my folks have become plant-based since discovering mushrooms. You know, they were always kind of curious or eating whatever I cook for them. But after introducing mushrooms into everything, it's a staple and it really has made them kind of self-reflect. And in a world full of things we might not like, things we feel like we can't change, whether that's social, governmental, corporate structure. It's amazing to have this one simple solution from nature that seemingly can like skein out in any direction and make a positive impact. So yeah, I think I think you guys just said that beautifully. And then another question that's kind of along these lines, but just, and maybe we can start with you, Camille, what are your kind of highest aspirations for our collective future with fungi as we learn more, as we move on in the next couple of decades, and especially the Western world learns more and more about this organism and integrates it into our life? What's your kind of highest hopes for how that can change things for the better? Absolutely. So my highest hopes for our collective future with fungi would be that we can get everyone involved um, since there's multiple avenues for people to find their niche within the mycological community, whether that's cooking, design, you know, the scientific portions and research. There's just a lot of ways to advocate for fungi. And there's a lot of foundations that are recognizing fungi as their kingdom and really advocating to protect them. So as a whole, I hope that we can recognize their importance and how necessary they are for our planetary healing, our emotional well-being, and our mind's well-being as well. And I think my greatest aspiration is to uh, to be a badass female mushroom farmer. I just want, I'm ready to farm. I, I want to drop a couple <laughs> of shipping containers and I want to Want to start farming some mushrooms, and uh, and then I want to turn around and cook them for people. I I want to create kind of an education facility where people can come and not just come and eat dinner, but come and come and see how their food was grown, come and come and experience that farm to table, but specifically with the mushrooms, and then also to see remediated soil as compared to regular soil, and and also to to see and have easy access to studies that can show them all of the kinds of information they're looking for and to to be the educator that I have always been with a special focus on on mushrooms and really my highest aspiration is just to touch as many lives as I can in a positive way and light the same fire that's been lit for me that there can be planetary change for future generations. My kids are big, but not everybody has had a chance to do that or to live that life. And I want to provide this route as a more sustainable future for longer human occupation of this globe. And and I, I really, that is my highest aspiration, whatever that means, whatever that requires of me, that's what I want to do. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that for myself, for so many people, this love of mushrooms translates into action, you know, whereas in other aspects of our life, 
So many of us have a tendency to overthink things or, to, oh, it's not perfect. I can't do it. And for some reason, getting familiar with mushrooms and growing them or, yeah, eating them, growing them, foraging for them, it kind of spurs us to action, mm-hmm. which I love. And you just covered the the gamut there. And it's true that really you can find any direction you want to go, whether it's everything from psychedelics to farming to industrial design to you know any discipline you want to pursue fungi can be a part of it somehow you can integrate that into it so definitely left with a lot of hope from both those answers uh well michelle and camille thank you so much for coming on the show obviously everyone needs to go out and get the cookbook just mushrooms it'll leave you inspired tons of ideas also an amazing just coffee table book to have out because it is beautiful so thank you for coming and discussing the book and really sharing some of your other thoughts and insights it's been a fantastic conversation Thank you so much for having us. We're thrilled. You're so fun to talk to. I think we all three myceliated. I I feel like we could just chat forever.